once you get a purchase order, you want to fulfill it. And there's, you know, you can't, you don't have time to like put the pause button and say like, oh, we just want to, you know, redesign our packaging. We'll, we'll come back to you, you know, in a couple months. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Tortillas are often a mere vessel to transport their tasty contents. But what if they could be the star of the meal, packed with fresh, bold flavors? Back in 2018, Henri Ravel and his wife Belen had a eureka moment. Inspired by Belen's Latin roots, Henri's passion for better tortilla options, and both of their entrepreneurial spirits, they created Eureka Tortilla, a snackable craft tortilla company. Listen in as Henri shares about honing Eureka's recipes, finding the right co-packer, launching in Nugget and with Hungry Root, printing challenges, and Henri's strategic approach to networking to finding great advisors and connections. And since we recorded this episode, they've launched their online shop. Hi, Henri. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you here today. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Henri, I'd love it if you could just tell us a little bit about what is Eureka Tortilla, what do you make, and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, Eureka Tortilla is a craft tortilla company that I started with my wife three years ago, and we've spent our time researching and developing these craft tortillas that where we include and bake into the dough fresh ingredients and flavors to make them tasty, snackable um, on their own. They're they're five inch street taco size, um, perfect for snacking. So it's come a long way to, to get on the shelf, but we're we're getting there. We're we're on a couple shelves at the moment. Awesome. And can you tell us what your all your current flavors are? Yeah, we have um, two organic skews. Uh, first one is everything and and more, which is everything bagel seasoning, and we include uh, some chia and flaxseed in there for uh, nutritional uh, boost. And uh, we also have a plain delicious, which is another organic, just plain flour tortilla, um, and then. We also have a pickled jalapeno and carrot and a blueberry and maple. And then the last one is cinnamon horchata. Yeah. So it's sweet and savory. Yeah, you've got options. I think that the pickled jalapeno and carrot was my favorite to like put an egg in in the morning or mm-hmm. like put some like taco meat in or and then the like cinnamon, like you can just, you know, put some butter on there and put that in the oven and like it's a whole like meal dessert in itself like they're so versatile and I love the size like it's it's the perfect size you you don't really need a tortilla a big one unless you have a specific purpose so I think they're I think they're just super awesome it's kind of like having a a bit a really flat bagel um <laughs> that totally. is just totally versatile but actually tastes good it isn't just a vehicle to what you're you're putting on it like the the tortilla itself actually tastes tasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just the flavors that were that are currently out there, the quote unquote flavored tortillas like the spinach and the sun-dried tomato that you see in the markets just, you know, I I thought could use a a boost in flavor and and update in in flavors that are more appealing to our family and and friends and hopefully a lot of other people. Yeah. Well, can you tell us more about you just mentioned that you kind of saw a gap. So what does it look like to start a tortilla company? What did it look like for you? What were you doing before to then pivot into this? Kind of tell us a little bit about the last couple years, especially the the early days. Yeah. So I before my tortilla company, I was actually working in a startup 
here in San Francisco. It was a startup airline. Um, so I was in the aviation industry um, and I worked there for about eight years. And that's a tough industry. Um, <laughs> and, and I we, I learned a lot got, um, and we grew, were growing quite a bit and I just ended up getting burnt out at the time my wife and I had a, a baby um, and I decided to kind of take a break, step, step away from it. Um, and so, and try to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do next and kind of had a, a laundry list of different ideas kind of outside of the aviation industry. And I just knew that I wanted it to be something that was my own sort of creation, uh, something new and exciting that um, I could say that, you know, we made my wife and I uh, put this together and, you know, we're kind of our own boss. And and so um, we had, like I said, a, a laundry list of different ideas um, and one in particular just kind of hung around uh, on our list for quite a while. And I just, it seemed like it was worth investigating a little bit more, which was I, my initial thought was about flour tortillas. Cause I, I grew up in San Francisco and I'm a big fan of the mission style burrito with, you know, the wrap that you can get in a lot of great taquerias in town here. Um, and, and I love, I love corn too, but flour, I was always just a flour fan, so to speak. And, but I was just kind of, you know, wondering, you know, looking at how there's not a whole lot of variety when it comes to, to tortillas and not just flavor wise, but like the texture and, and, um, and, and so I, I kind of, and I think part of it too, was when I was working downtown for the aviation, uh, company, I saw all these fusion trucks of like Indian burritos and, and sushi Ritos and all that. And I, I just kind of, thought to myself, I think I had an idea of like wrapping up the fillings of a Mexican burrito in like Indian non bread. And mm. I, I actually even tried that once and it was so filling. It, it was <laughs> not what I expected. So I, I kind of decided to see if I could come up with a flour tortilla that was kind of a, a hybrid between Indian non bread and a flour tortilla, like a softer, fluffier flour tortilla, which is kind of crazy because I I don't have a background in baking, but um, I ha my wife and I had taken a class of this Indian flatbread, like intro class to making Indian flatbread. And the teacher was fantastic. I started talking to him and just saying, hey, you know, can you work with me on the side on this idea? And it was just we had, a, a you know, a lot of trials and and different definitions of what soft and fluffy meant and trying to figure out what the right consistency was and and but in that process, we started to, to mix in different fresh flavor combinations. And I said, whoa, that's kind of that what's different about these. It's not necessarily the, the fluffiness or the um, or the texture so much, um, even though, you know, the we do uh, pride ourselves in our soft, chewy texture. It was really the, the flavor combinations where I was like, well, this this doesn't exist. You can't get these anywhere else because we started putting in these kind of first sort of traditional flavors like the pickled jalapeno and carrot um, is a traditional a garnish in Mexican cuisine called escabeche. And so that one was kind of a natural fit. And then we were like, well, what about like for breakfast, you know, everything, everything bagel, um, we could put seasoning in there. And then uh, sweeter varieties where you could just treat it like you would a bagel or um, toast. Um, and we started to make the, the diameters of the tortillas a lot smaller and kind of more snackable. And it kind of just kind of was that eureka moment where 
we were where we came into this idea of what the product looks like today. Um, and I think I jumped around on the on your original question. That is how we got started. But I originally <laughs> called the the company the Fluffy Tortilla Company, which I get teased for um by people who <laughs> by people who know that and it's kind of funny to to uh still get mail to my home office that says um Mr Mr Ravel the fluffy tortilla company it just kind of is is funny but then we uh kind of morphed into what I think is a lot more meaningful of a name which was the sort of eureka moment of you know creating these tortillas that have exciting and delicious flavors I love that. I the name change is awesome. But I mean, how great is it to keep getting mail that says fluffy on it? That's just <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So I love. I think both names are great, but that that's awesome. And then I think that your story is just so inspiring because in the food world we see a lot of people that you know you know maybe they've got their great grandmother's recipe that they're trying to share with the world, which is great. But it also can be a barrier to maybe, you know, or a perceived barrier to someone that's like, hey, I want to make a food product, but I don't necessarily know how to bake and don't know how to make food. And I love that you and your wife were like, we're going to take a class. We're going to try to figure this out and working with people to make it happen. I think that that is so cool and just goes to show you don't have to have this family history in baking or some complex backstory. You can see a need and you can learn it and you can go for it. And you guys really did that. Yeah, I'll. I'm a total proponent of, of, you know, asking people questions and, you know, taking other people's advice. Um, and I know what I, I know what I know, but I also, you know, I, I think pulling information from other people like an Indian flatbread specialist and learning just from listening to what they have to say and their perspective on it is, has been totally helpful this entire process. With yeah. not just the the Indian flatbread specialist, but all the people that I've worked with to date is couldn't have done it without the team that we have. So how did you start selling to people? Were you hand rolling out tortillas yourself, putting them in some sort of packaging and then, you know, selling them at a local store or what did it initially look like? So we were hand rolling them. Yes. The, um, to, to start with, but we didn't actually start selling them while we were hand rolling, I knew pretty quickly that in order to have any type of scale, we would need to make these on a production line. Um, and because hand rolling would just be way too time consuming and, and, uh, and laborious. So that was kind of the next hurdle was we went from hand rolling and handing out samples and getting feedback from friends and family and to Okay, let's talk to a co-packer uh, in the Bay Area, and I had talked to a handful of them just by cold calling them and and reaching out and uh, seeing what their level of interest was, um, and then from there figuring out the all the uh, you know the the processes that go into making these tortillas on a production line, which is uh, kind of like starting from scratch in a way. <laughs> yeah, basically, you're kind of starting over when you're taking what may have worked when you're hand rolling in a smaller scale, and then you're going up to a co-packer, you're going to have to kind of rework everything. Can you tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about finding the right co-packer fit? We just we recently on the podcast, we we've talked co-manufacturing contracts, we've talked about managing 
inventory with your co-manufacturers. So it's definitely a hot topic in our community. And I'm curious if you could share about kind of navigating, finding the right partner and what it looked like when it kind of clicked and you're like, oh, okay, like this is going to work. Yeah. So I had called a couple different co-packers that I just did Google search searches for in the Bay Area. I knew kind of in the back of my head, I was like, well, I better be, you know, they better be local close to here so that I could, you know, keep an eye on things and communicate with them easily and and that sort of thing. But so I had called maybe four or five co-packers and they they were bread companies. They were tortilla companies, you know, co-packers for bread and tortilla products. And I had met with a few that kind of discouraged me a lot at the very beginning because I'd show them pictures of the photos and they'd say like, oh, well, show me your documents, you know, your recipes of how, you know, how this process works so that we can give that to our coworker, you know, our, our, our team here. And like, then we can give you a price and all that. And it was just like, whoa, you know, that I don't, I'm not prepared. I don't have that documentation written out yet. And, um, the, the volumes that they were, uh, asking for were, like truckloads. And I was just like, this is, I'm, <laughs> I'm over my head. Uh, if I were to go with, with some of these earlier ones that I talked to and their, their machinery too. And the size of their facility was like a big indicator. Cause like we'd walk in and it looked like this huge factory that, you know, everyone's in white coats and hair, hair nets and things like that. And, uh, I, it was just like, okay, we'll see if this is a, a fit, but it ultimately you kind of followed your gut instinct by by just a lot of the there were little red flags everywhere <laughs> um, but eventually I did get a call with the co-packer that I'm currently working with they called me back and they were very it's a you know very friendly and interested in exploring these new products um, and their I could just tell from their operation that they were better suited to helping someone like me out versus, um, you know, their minimums were smaller. They were very uh, open about giving me line time in between production runs so that I could test uh, versus, you know, charging me a lot of, you know, costs for that, which um, is, you know, I think a lot of startups can get, you know, hammered with all these fees and costs. And so having these, picking the right partner is, is definitely, uh, it's important in order to, to stay afloat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I believe you officially launched in September 2021. So how did how did it work with timing as far as you're trying to get in a run from the manufacturer, you're launching and then where were you launching and what did what did that look like? So, yeah, we were launching. We launched in Nugget Market. They're a specialty grocery store chain here in uh, Northern California. And also in Hungry Root. So scheduling the production runs, you know, like I said earlier, like I've surrounded myself with a lot of people who know who've done it before, which it I don't uh, take that for granted because otherwise, uh, you know, I, I follow kind of what they say a lot of times um, and kind of like scheduling things out, what to think about, uh, making sure that you're pre we're prepared and then, you know, getting the 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 distribution side of things too is a whole nother piece that we had to figure out sort of sort of last not last minute but you know it, it was like okay nugget said yes and so how are we going to get our tortillas there <laughs> uh 
Yeah. Um, that's an important part. And uh, and so actually the co-packer suggested someone that they currently that currently goes to and from their production facility and uh, to a lot of the Bay Area stores. And he introduced he, he recommended I reach out and I ended up talking to him and he was interested uh, and, and his team and it worked out as a great uh distribution partner. Um, so that was an important piece, uh, in getting things going and then, you know, packaging certification process and yeah, a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Right. And I'm familiar with Nugget, but I'm not until you and I had talked before this, you'd mentioned Hungry Root and I've looked it up, but I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what Hungry Root is and how it, how it works and what, you know, what it means to kind of, you know, have your product there. Oh yeah. Um, Hungry Root, is a, a grocery delivery subscription service, a subscription box service. And they're really fantastic because they will, they you can do two things on their website, which is curate your own box or they create your box with recipes that they, their culinary team puts together. And their, their culinary team will highlight new products that, that they take onto their platform. And it, this was perfect for Eureka Tortilla because um, being able to be in a channel where they have their customers that are looking at their products on, uh, you know, online and to see recipes featuring your tortillas that highlight how to use them is really, was really important for, for me. I mean, sometimes when people are, a lot of times I'll say when people see the tortillas, uh, they'll say, well, what am I supposed to do with a, you know, everything tortilla and Mm, it's not mm -hmm. always it's not always obvious that hey put some cream cheese and some uh like you know salmon or you know lox on there and treat it as you would a bagel so the hungry root has been a great great partner for us because they've allowed us to put our best foot forward and show show how we can how people should be consuming these tortillas and and you know, it's it's been great to see the customers what they come up with too. I mean, a lot of ideas I didn't wouldn't even think about, and they will post about them online and uh, come up with their own, you know, their own recipes. So that's been fun to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing what customers will come up with and how you can then. I mean, you can choose not to maximize that, but if you do, you you know, you essentially have people just creating and generating recipes for you. I know at, at Live Bar, we had a demo rep who would take the leftover, you know, crumbles from her demo of the bars. And then she would send me pictures of recipes of, hey, look, I made this, look, I made this. And I'm like, what? Wow. This is amazing. <laughs> like we got to share this with people. And then it kind of turned into a whole thing of creating recipes and sharing them with customers. And it sounds like then Hungry Root also is kind of creating these recipes and showing people how to use the product, which is huge. That's so cool. Yeah, definitely. How did you how did you sell into Hungry Root and Nugget? Were were you pitching lots of different retailers? Was it you going out? Were you working with did you have an industry contact that was like, hey, you should, you know, you should focus on these? I'm curious how you kind of landed on those first couple if you spread the net really wide and those are the ones that that you caught? You know, it was an industry contact that I had. Um a good friend of mine from high school actually is a contact and a friend of someone who works at Hungry Root. And he sort of said, hey, check these out. So I I sent them samples and 
it was a it was a warm introduction um, that way, which I highly recommend. I, we've I've had the most success with warm introductions yeah. for both for, for both Hungry Root and Nugget, and I feel like with anyone starting out, just ask your network, you know, to think about who they know if they have any connections on LinkedIn. I, I've been I constantly scour who's connected to who on LinkedIn and seeing if I could somehow get. Uh, the right person's ear at at retailers that I'd like to be in. And I, I feel like once you get that first shot and you get in the door here and there, that's kind of starts the momentum. So um, that's that's kind of how how I've been handling it. Yeah, which is great. And I think that when you mentioned earlier that just the ability to learn and jump in and try things, I think you really you really practice what you preach because that within Startup CBG, like you've been one of our top clubhouse attendees, which is amazing. Like you're you're in there, you're networking and, you know, trying to figure things out and learn. And so I think, I think it's so cool to see someone, you know, actually put it so, you know, sometimes you'll just hear like, oh, like use your network, but you're actually out there doing it. And, you know, we've seen you doing it at Startup CBG, which is so cool. And I'm wondering if you, I think you also kind of found some, I don't know how formal, but some advisors along the way, how did you find, you know, kind of advisors? Was it this outreach that you're talking about of LinkedIn? And, you know, how did you kind of build up an advisory team? Yeah, it was through, yeah, Startup CPG has been wonderful. Uh, it's been just such a great resource for my wife and I as, as a founding team, both for introductions and just inform- general information, or I should say specific information about, you know, anything that you need to know about for starting a, a, a CPG brand. The, yeah, the, the advisors that I do have, I'm very uh, fortunate, I think, um, to, to have found them. It seems like a little bit of luck and timing um, for, for when, for the point in time that we were at the stage of the business. And for instance, uh, an advisor that I've been working with for a few years now is Noah Alper, who started Noah's Bagels here in um, the Bay Area. And he, I mean, he's got just a tremendous grasp of business in general, but food in the food industry, retail, marketing. uh, And I found him through a food networking group. Naturally, Bay Area is another one that that I've been a part of. And just I I had to I, I went through their whole database of like it was a database of all their members. And I even though I didn't recognize who Noah Alper was, I looked up like I Googled each and every like service or person's name that was in their database just to see who they were. And when I found that Noah Alper was the founder of Noah's Bagels, I was like, oh, man, I have to reach out to this guy. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know the opportunity existed until I did that additional sort of research and he was he was really the one that kind of helped me to think of these tortillas almost as bagels or toasts, like put it, make them five inch, you know, the, the street taco size so that you can just pop them into a toaster and, and put butter and cream cheese or, you know, any nut butter on there. And so, yeah, he he's just one example. And then, you know, just more people that I've met along the way that have have really uh, been been helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I would say just network and be proactive about it and that'll, you'll, you'll find the right, the right person. Yeah, absolutely. If you're putting yourself out there and searching and again, casting, casting the net and trying to find the right connections, you're going to, if you work at it long enough and hard enough, you're going to find those, those great connections. Right. Right. And I, I mean, startup CPG again has been wonderful and then retail ready out. 
Uh, Alley Balls Retail Ready is another course that I took that has been a great resource even after I finished the course. You can you're still part of their community and and uh, it really takes a a village so to speak to to make any uh, CPG product work. So I I'm I'm constantly looking for help and support. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there I think that definitely that village exists. I mean, food is a competitive space, but I think we've talked about it on the show before of like there's so much opportunity and generally people in this industry are pretty willing to share and help each other even sometimes if it is uh competitive. I think when we had Zahira from uh Herbivore Tea, she mentioned of the frenemies concept of like, you know, that we can we can be competitors, but we can still be friends and help each other because there's so much space for everyone to win. And so I think that being willing to tap into that village is it just puts you further ahead and, and gives you a lot more opportunities than trying to go at it by yourself and trying to kind of recreate the, the wheel on your own. Definitely. You mentioned the the test at Nugget and when you and I were chatting a little bit before this, it sounds like it's been going well and kind of moving to the next phase. Can you tell us a little bit about what it initially looked like working with Nugget and then what's what's coming up next? Yeah. So we launched in Nugget in September as well. And it was it was agreed that it was kind of a test phase to, to see, you know, skew, find out a couple things like skew ranking, where would the product live in the in the store you know where would these be merchandised what pricing uh is working and and so over the last since you know september october november and december we really tried different things and just looked at what was working and what wasn't and then starting next actually next week we are uh going to be actually in the tortilla set in nugget um for the first time which i think will be that's really exciting for a number of reasons i think that when people are are shopping for tortillas to be within the set itself is probably the right the right place to be in versus you know in on a sales rack near in a different part of the store and if we you know i'm knocking on wood here but you know hopefully if we have the right packaging and the uh right uh positioning on the shelf that that we'll get a lot more eyeballs and and um and sales it'll translate to sales so we decided so finding a place in the tortilla set and then also we are gonna go with our top three SKUs as opposed to the five SKUs that we were going with before and having sort of a refined promo pricing uh, schedule. These are all things that we've sort of took their learnings from the the sort of test phase that we've had. And now we're going to kind of go in for 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 real now. So it's it, not to say that we weren't in there for real before, but this is, you know, net now probably hopefully are the home that we're going to live in for for this for nugget and beyond so it's a important part time coming up and we're we're anxious for it so yeah that's so exciting and i think that 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 testing phase can be super valuable to figure out like you said some of that promo pricing where you're going to live in the store narrowing it down to your top skus can be helpful so that you're not managing you know as many during a during a maybe a, a larger launch or a you know a longer term, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm super excited to see how that goes. Thank you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm wondering you you mentioned a little bit about packaging. I think when we 
you had mentioned to me at some point there was like some stickers involved and there was trying to like print on the actual packaging. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the packaging challenges, how you've navigated and the current packaging you're you're using today? Sure. Um, so we started off with printing labels and sticking labels, our labels on the on the bag just by hand. Uh, and that kind of that was okay for for you know the phase that we were in at the time but we had gotten some larger orders and the co-packer was like okay we can't put in we can't put the that many labels on bags it's just going to take it's too much labor to continuously do this um and so we were sort of scrambling uh for for what what we could do to kind of you know once you get a purchase order you want to fulfill it and there's you know, you can't, you don't have time to like put the pause button and say like, oh, we just want to, you know, redesign our packaging. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back to you, you know, in a couple months. So one of the guys that I work with was like, well, let's just print the design of the label onto the bag. And then, you know, that should be sufficient for, for a period of time. And then, so that sounded like a, a very gr- great solution. We ended up doing that, but the registration of the print on the bags just wasn't the quality of like a printed label so we wanted to so now like it's it's okay like it's not bad and it actually looks uh, like it looks good for for one of our SKUs the everything and more but for some reason I, and the reason for that is because it's it's a black logo or a black color scheme but for the other ones that have different colors on them the, the the registration just doesn't look as as fresh and as clean as I had hoped so we had to we're in the right now we're in the middle of a packaging redesign um, so that the messaging pops more and and now that we've committed to printing on a bag versus printing labels we're now having to think of okay what's the front of the bag going to look like what's the back of the bag going to look like cuz each little detail is is important real estate for for marketing and information for customers and and so we've just been you know working through that process i wish it was all ready and we were ready to go for this like <laughs> this phase with nugget coming up but we're that's just one of those things that we have to manage on the side um along with when we're in nugget and you know the the current packaging that we have make it look good and good so that it's you know it looks appealing on the shelf so the those are some of the what we're currently going through with our packaging <laughs> yeah yeah your your heart just had to have sank when you got the packaging back after the run and you saw that it wasn't what you had hoped for um yeah. how do you deal with those you know these kind of hiccups come come up in CPG and can can get to a person, how do you handle those kind of challenges as they pop up and, and kind of keep going? Like you said, you're like, this isn't what, this isn't the way I wanted it to be, you know, ready for this launch, but it is what it is. How do you deal with those kind of things? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it was my fault because I should have said, Hey, to the, to the bag printing company, I should have like done some like quality control for them. Like I should have said, I want to see these, see the quality of them before they come out, but I was in a rush. So I just said, yeah, you know, print these out. They said they could do it. And then after they printed them out, it was just like, oh, these are just not as, you know, clean and registration wise as I, I had hoped. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, 
you just kind of have to roll with the punches and learn, <laughs> learn your mistakes, learn from your mistakes. And, um, and hopefully the mistake isn't that expensive and you, you have the time to, to kind of prepare for the next kind of decision on the horizon, which would be like printed bags that are fully printed on the front and the back. And, and, uh, and that's, yeah. I, I hope there's not too many more mistakes like that, but I'm sure there will be <laughs> <laughs> part of the part of the journey. But it sounds like you're you're learning from them and, and really intentionally then moving on to the, the next step after after something happens so that it does you're not necessarily repeating the same things. Yeah. I mean, I uh, the bottom line, I think, is I know that the packaging could be like, you know, looking a lot better in the sense of like just overall voice and imagery of of you know what these tortillas are and speaking to the best you know attributes of of the tortillas and what makes them truly unique so that people when they pass by them on the retail shelves they can they can get it right away and they're like oh wow they this is this is totally a different different type of tortilla than what we've seen on the shelf before so i just know that it, you know it's a it's a process and and we just need to kind of work through it. So I'm hoping the the designers that I, I've been working with, they're they've been fantastic and I'm sure they'll come up with something good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The main thing is to keep putting something out there. And so I think it's great that, you know, maybe they're not exactly what you envisioned, but you kept going and that doesn't mean you can't still sell it and then continue to improve over over time versus not putting anything out there at all. So I think it's great that you've just continued to go on and that you're going to continue to do that to just keep trying and see what works and then continue to improve over time, not having to have it perfect from from the beginning. Right. Yep, that's true. Because it, it'll never be perfect. If, if uh, yeah, the more you try to get it to be perfect, you, you just end up wasting time. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's better yeah. to get get it out there and 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 get feedback on it and and go from there. And so it sounds like you are you're working with some designers on this process. I was going to ask how you've navigated kind of the packaging if you've had some outside help to manage the compliance pieces and the the design pieces. So it sounds like you've been working with someone. Yeah, actually Andy from Buttermilk Creative is is helping oh, nice. me. Nice. Yeah, and he's been really great, very talented uh, designer and takes his time to understand, you know, the product and and how to present it uh to in in its best light and um and so he's yeah, he's been great and uh, before, you know, the other designs that we've had, I, I actually really liked um, and I still like. And that was done from another sort of creative person who has helped me uh, for over the years, the, the few years that I, w- we've worked together. And and it was great. You know, her the designs that we, we've had and the current design are, I, I think, really, they're really good. But I, I think it just can be better. And it wasn't really known earlier on, you know, what what the voice was going to be, what the messaging, the taglines and all this uh, that that really is the the first few things that a, a customer sees. I You know, if, if I knew that at the beginning, I would have done the design differently. But things change as they go along. And you just kind of, like I said, got to roll with the punches. Yeah. And for the listeners that don't know, Andy is at Buttermilk Creative is actually part of the Startup CPG community. He's the one behind the the emails you get if you're on our awesome email list. And 
he's sponsored some of the resources in our group. So definitely just an awesome uh, resource in our community. And he's got a blog about packaging and he does a podcast with another um, member of our community that we've had on on the podcast, um, Kirk at, at Mind the Font. So they've got a podcast about all things CPG packaging. So lots of resources there. So that's so cool. You're getting to work with an expert like Andy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I found him was through when it might have been a clubhouse panel or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I see I see it. he's always involved in the startup CPG world. Yeah. And how you know, you mentioned that you founded this with your wife. You've got a young daughter, I'm guessing around a year old at this point. Like, what does it you know look like kind of as a family working on this business? What what parts does um, does your wife work on? And then, you know, how do you manage having a really young child and also trying to grow this brand? Yeah, uh, well, my daughter is actually four. Oh, now. OK. So, yeah, she was one when we kind of got started. OK, um, there we go. And uh, so she's a young lady now and she is very opinionated about, you know, daddy's tortillas. So <laughs> uh, I love it. I think, I, it. She used to her favorite used to be blueberry and maple and now it's cinnamon orchata. So it changes, it seems all the time. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, to get back to your question, um, my wife, uh, she is she has a full time job, which has allowed, you know, me to explore and try this tortilla venture out. And it's been, I think, a really, really wonderful experience uh, working on this. You know, she, she we're all working from home these days, but she worked from home even before the pandemic. And uh, to to kind of be able to have ideas and run them by her and get feedback from her because she, she has a background in finance and 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 um you know i i think it's just been a great we're, we make a great team it's a good dynamic to to be able to uh have a, a sounding board that you actually live with and and you know give a good perspective on you know what we what our goal ultimately is to is to have a successful business that we can sort of uh see grow and 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 you know, learn from it, um, have my daughter learn along the way. I'd love to, you know, get her involved if when Eureka Tortilla is, you know, 10, 10 years older, maybe mm-hmm. that'll be, maybe that'll be her first job. I don't know. So yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's very special. It's a good, it's a good dynamic that we have. That's really cool. I, I really like that. And I'm also wondering what's coming up next for Eureka over the next few months or, you know, the rest of 2022, what should we be on the lookout for other new things happening? We've covered a couple of them, but, you know, I just want to talk through some of those. And because also, you know, are people going to be able to buy them on your website? Because after this episode, they're probably hungry for some tortillas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are getting the uh, website up and running uh, for e-commerce and um, hope to do that, uh, you know, in the in the coming month, I'd say. And and then also getting into some other stores, I think, will will help, uh, lo- you know, local in the to the San Francisco Bay Area. I think there's a lot of specialty natural food stores that these tortillas would do well in and would be appreciated in. And so I think, you know, getting into some independence and 
and see what other opportunities are on the horizon for for retail um, are are what's what's coming next. We we do have a couple new SKUs coming, but I, I won't mention what those are just yet. But yeah, re- more recipes, more more SKUs, and and uh, hopefully more sales. So yeah, and can people. Do you have like an email list that people can sign up for? Can they follow you on Instagram? What's the best way to kind of keep up? Yeah, we're at Eureka Tortillas on Instagram and Facebook. And we do have a email sign up if you go to our website, which is www.eurekatortilla.com. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be... Uh, I'm excited to stay tuned to see how this continues to unfold and definitely your startup CPG community is, is here cheering you on. And then I'm excited for some, some new flavor drops. Um, Cause <laughs> that sounds, that sounds delicious. Great. Yeah. We'll definitely keep you posted. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with, with the audience before we, before we sign off? Anything that we missed that you were like, oh, shoot, I wanted to get that message out to the world. No, I think just keep an eye out for us uh, in Nugget and um, sign up for Hungry Root if you haven't. Again, it's a great service and and we're we're coming to a store near you hopefully soon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Henri. This has been so fun to get to hear more of your story and just that you've been willing to share about some of the different challenges and the different ways that also that you've maximized networking and, you know, finding people to come alongside you on this journey. So this has been super valuable and I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you, Jesse. No, I really appreciate this too. And looking forward to uh, the next startup CPG event um, that you're a part of and we'll see you. We'll see you there. Yeah. Excited to meet some people in person. (laughs) I know. That'd be great. Since we recorded this episode, Eureka Tortilla has launched their online shop. So if you go to eurekatortilla.com, you can try out the flavors for yourself. Thanks for joining us. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by The Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.